This Kendra is where they make their mark. This is the time where you've got to turn the table. You've got to take advantage and ride this wave in this momentum. Look out! Welcome to the Match Preview Podcast. Lots coming your way over the course of the next half hour, 45 minutes or so. Callum Williams, alongside former golfer soccer star Kendra D. St. Orwin. In the second segment, we'll be joined by former Houston Dynamo and current Minnesota United midfielder Nico Hansen. But first, Kendra, before we talk about the upcoming game, we've got some reviewing to do. Um, and I use the word review because that's what really should have happened in the latter stages of the game in Vancouver. For those unaware of what I'm insinuating, Minnesota were leading by two goals to one, um, away to Vancouver uh, in Salt Lake City, of course. And all of a sudden, there was a clash inside the penalty area between Ethan Finlay and Christian Dahomey. It seemed as though it was nothing more than a coming together of bodies. Maybe even Dahomey insinuated uh, the first contact and made the first contact. Either way, the referee opted to give a penalty and there was no review, meaning the penalty was given and Vancouver Whitecaps were able to score with essentially the last kick of the game, meaning Minnesota would go home with a handy point. But Kendra, it really should have been three. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's a couple key things there. First of all, this is going to be a VAR pro call that I'm going to make sure that I'm on the next time we have one of those. And I think it happens about every other week, every two weeks, something like that, where they they do um, well enough to kind of give us all the scoop on why some of the calls were made and ask some questions of the group, which I think is fantastic. And this is one of those that I'm going to really be curious on what they come back with. And And you said it there that it didn't go to review. And I think that's what's, What's tricky about the whole conversation in VAR is that, you know, clearly somebody is reviewing it. It's just that the person or the center official doesn't go to the monitor. And there are also conversations, and you and I were talking about it on the bus on the way home, on the way back to the hotel. Why didn't you go to the monitor? Why didn't you go to the monitor? And my big thing was, well, it's really up to the VAR to suggest that he go to the monitor. And if the VAR did not suggest that the official go to the monitor, then it's on the VAR and not the official. But we've sort of heard some, you know, rumblings and rumors that it was suggested that he go to the monitor and he chose not to. And you and I are, you know, I'm not privy to the exact conversation. They don't pump that into our ear or broadcast it like they did. They have a few times in the past in other leagues. But I think if that's the case, it's really frustrating more so than even just the fact that it, it just didn't get reversed in the, in the first place. And that that's one of those situations for Minnesota United. They're going to have to try really hard to move on from that. And, you know, we're recording this on a Thursday that happens on a Saturday. And so I'm hoping that the group has moved on because you can't dwell on that. This is the first time you and I have really gotten to publicly talk about it besides post game. And that is frustrating because going into the match, absolutely take a point on the road in the second game in a handful of days to Vancouver in Salt Lake. But when you know that you had it in your clutches, the three points in that tough schedule I just mentioned, that's where it's deflating. It's a punch in the gut and truly is the wrong call. There are a lot of calls that I can say, yeah, I could have gone either way, especially the way they're calling handballs and other things these days. But this to me looked like, if anything, a foul on Dahomey initiating the contact. And Ethan Finley had nowhere else to go and nothing else he could do in that moment um, as his path was impeded to the ball. 
and, and uh, I, in my mind, a foul was committed by Dahomey. Instead, they get the penalty, and Minnesota goes home with a point. And I think that's the really deflating part for me. I think deflating is probably the, the right word, isn't it? You know, we were fortunate, as you mentioned, Kay, to be on the, the team bus with the coaching staff and the backroom staff uh, going back to the hotel. And, and it, it did feel quite deflating, didn't it? And, and I, I said earlier on uh, in the week, I was fortunate enough to spend some time with, with several other people at the club um, in Salt Lake City. And, and there was that real feeling of disappointments. Um, and people have every right to be disappointed about it because you and I have, have said this several times we, we as broadcasters will try and do a, as neutral a commentary as we can. And if we don't think it's a penalty for Minnesota, we're going to say it, we, we don't think it's a penalty. But this is not a penalty. This is not a penalty to Vancouver. And I can't for the life of me understand why the referee, regardless if, if he's been instructed to or not, doesn't just go and have a look. He, I think if you make a decision like that, especially given the, the circumstances, it's right at the end of the game, You've got to be 110% sure that you're making the right decision. Whatever angle he had, he must have seen something that nobody else saw because he's not gone to the monitor. He's not gone to have a look, Kate. And whilst we're on this conversation, if referees aren't going to use the monitor, what's the point in having VAR? Yeah, and I think that's always been the ultimate thing is that, you know, when I was having a conversation with someone this morning about this exact situation is, the, the point of VAR is to get calls right. That is why we have it. And I think the standard has sort of been that they've been pretty good at getting the calls right. Well, in my opinion, the standard shouldn't be pretty good. The standard should be higher than that of the expectation of the calls that are correctly called the first time or changed cards, whatever it might be, because these are decisions I severely impact not just that game but when you're looking at the standings and where minnesota united sits and what that means if you're and i know we're a long way from the end of the season but these are all things that are going to go around in people's heads that are much higher up than me in positions of, of, of power and decision making if you're sitting in a fourth position opposed to a sixth position and say these two points come back to haunt minnesota united then what are you saying from a home standpoint what does that mean even simple things like revenue to have a home game playoff game versus a non-home playoff. I mean, these are all things that the powers that be have conversations and decisions. And this isn't just a singular situation of a call on the field. This has a lot of implications going forward. And that is why VAR was put in place. That is why we have these stellar officials in place to help make the right call and, and get the call right is because it does have massive implications down the line. But I do think it's Thursday that we're recording this. It happened on Saturday. I talked to Ethan Finley earlier in the week, asked him about it. How is he getting over it from a personal perspective? He's a competitor and you've got to move on. You've got to scratch that from your memory and move on to the next match. You have no more time to dwell. You've had your time to kind of complain and moan and, and feel like you could vent your case and state your claims. And now you've got to move on to the next match because now you do have to get three points against a really struggling Houston Dynamo team at home in front of a sold-out crowd, crowd at Allianz Field. Which we'll talk about shortly. Houston Dynamo yet to win on the road. You mentioned, Kay, they played on Wednesday evening and lost 3-2 to Austin FC. Uh, talking of moving on, it's right in the middle of silly season. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon, which, uh, for those unaware, is the MLS trade deadline. Um some really interesting moves over the course of the last 24 hours. I'm sure there's some moves going on now. My phone is blowing up and people are saying that um, 
away from MLS, I guess Lionel Messi has rejected the latest Barcelona contract. It's just, <laughs> it's just one of those days. That's because he's signing things... with Miami, didn't you hear? Uh-huh. I'm starting the rumor mill. <laughs> sure even Lionel Messi of... couldn't, even he couldn't fix that. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm not sure they've got his discovery rights, but that's another debate <laughs> for another day. Um, so it, this is always quite an interesting window, in my opinion, um, the, the ones that are sort of in the middle of the season, because every team have had their chance to assess. Every coach and technical director have, have had a chance to understand perhaps what they need more of. The one I want to talk to you about, because I know it, it's a club that you know quite well, is San Jose Earthquakes that have acquired Jeremy Obobese last night um, whilst we were watching Portland against San Jose. It was obvious that Obobese wasn't in the starting eleven. You look down, he's not even on the roster. And then news broke that he was actually traded to San Jose Earthquakes for over a million dollars in GAM. At San Jose, I know they've got two good results. Um, beating the Sounders at Lumen Field is, is a huge, it's potentially a season-turning result for them. A good point on the road to Portland Timbers. But they, they, they've needed something for a long time. Was Jeremy Ibobasi that something that they've needed? Look, I'm not sure if San Jose knows exactly what they need. What they do need is goals. They do need a a, a goal scorer. Do I think Jeremy Bobasi could do better for them as a number nine, whereas in Portland he had been kind of shifted and moved around depending on who they've acquired and what, you know, what players they have on the pitch as far as a winger goes, as far as an attacking players, as far as a number nine, whatever you want to call it when Savarisi is, is changing his formation and his lineup. So what I do think that San Jose needs is a proven true number nine. We all love um, Wondolowski and what he brings to the table when he's on the pitch and he still has that goal scoring knack. But to be fair, he's in his upper thirties and I think he's eyeing the front office coaching staff Academy type of a, of a role going forward. So I think Obobese is a great pickup for them. I mean, will he work in that system with that coaching staff? I don't know. Do I think he's going to work hard and, and try to be that guy for them? This is a crazy fresh new start for him. He's spent a lot of time with Portland Timbers and Timbers two and in the USL and trying to kind of hone his craft, wait his turn, find his spot where he could be effective for that club. And when you kindly felt like he was finally being effective, then they brought some more players in. And we all know where, where do clubs spend money? They spend it on international number nines. You know, a lot of time that is the designated player that gets the most money that gets paid to them is those number nine positions. So Bobasi kept kind of getting shifted and moved around. So I think it's a great pickup for San Jose. I think that to have somebody solidified in that position, it takes a little pressure off of Espinoza. It takes a little pressure off of Cade Cowell, who's still so young. It takes some pressure off some of the other midfielders that are trying to come through an attacking position position and he can just bury the opportunities when presented they got rid of Houston last year you know he goes to Austin I believe it was um, but now he's been injured and so w- what can Abobasi bring to the table for San Jose I'm, I'm curious to see and I do agree with you getting that result at Lumen Field can be a big shot in the arm from a confidence boost perspective for that team and all you need is to go on a little run of form and get some of those results and, and San Jose might be right back in the thick of it you never know the sort of a prime example of that one defeat in the last 12 and the loons find themselves very much in the thick of the early playoff race um let, let's go through some of these um suggested moves and, and moves that seem to be on the edge. Uh, these are according to various journalists across Major League Soccer, good sources from, from various different publications. Um, seems as though Nicholas Benazay will be leaving the Rapids and potentially heading to Seattle Sounders. 
Uh, Florian Vallot will be leaving the Red Bulls and going to Cincinnati. That's a done deal, according to several. Uh, Sam Vines, you and I were texting about this earlier on, Kate, uh, the Colorado left-back heading over to, to Royal Antwerp in the, the Belgian uh, Pro League, the top division in Belgium. He'll be playing uh, European football this season. A good move for him. The Galaxy seem to have strengthened their front line. Uh, Serbian international uh, Dejan uh, Jovelicic will be coming in, 21 years of age. $4 million transfer fee, that's done. Um, not good from a Western Conference point of view. Um Sporting Kansas City uh, seemed to be on the verge of signing Italian midfielder Jose Mari. He was playing uh, last year alongside Franco Fragapane at Tajeres in Argentina, but he's played at AC Milan and Parma at several seasons in the top flights uh, in Italy. The Rapids looking to bring Lucas Estevez in, uh, the left-back who was uh, formerly at uh, Palmeiras in Brazil. That's to replace uh, Sam Vines, of course. We've already mentioned uh, Ibobasi heading out, the Sounders, uh, again, been linked with several players as well. It, it's just one of those days, Kay, where it's it's very, very busy indeed. Um, here's a question for you, though. Do, do we expect Minnesota United to make any moves today? You know, this is the thing, and, and I think you and I were texting about this the other night because, you know, there's always rumors flying and, and swirling around, and I think it's still a little bit tricky um, having come out of a pandemic and COVID and, and visas and green cards and all this type of thing. And, and so would it be an MLS move? Would it be an international move? But to me, all that matters is it's the right move. And I don't think that, you know, fans or supporters or, you know, front office people or us as broadcasters should be all up in arms if a move isn't made. Because to me, it's more important that the right move is made. Don't just make a move for the sake of a move, whether that's moving someone out or whether that's bringing someone in. And I think that this roster has shown such quality and such depth to it in this moment in time. And speaking with a lot of players and staff, you you can hear and and listen to how they feel about the cohesion of the group and the chemistry of the group. For the most part, I think um, they're all on the same page. They play for each other. And this is a locker room that the guys enjoy being a part of. So you don't want to just throw someone in the mix to throw them in the mix or feel like you're doing something because everybody else is doing something. This, mm. you have to remember Minnesota United has already added what two, three players in the last window, you know, you had Adrian Anu, you had Franco Precapane, you brought in Ramon Avila, you brought in some of these players that, you know, do you need to make a move at this moment in time? I don't know that it's a necessity, but if the right thing comes along for the right price and the right reasons, then hopefully Minnesota United will get it done. And that player will be proven on the pitch in this league, which sometimes, as we know, it can be harder than people think and players think to come into this league. So maybe the right move is something in the league because then you know that this player is already familiar. The The club is familiar with that player. They understand that they understand the, the, the league and they understand that, or maybe it's a monetary movement. You're moving somebody out and you're, and you're getting money to use in the future. I think that those are things that are important for Minnesota United to ask and make the right decisions in this end of the window here, but making it for the right reasons. And also for the most part, when you do an internal deal, a deal inside Major League Soccer, those players are usually available within the week, if not a couple of days. So Houston Dynamo have just, uh, it's just been confirmed, they've added uh, Spanish midfielder Alberto Carasquilla from the second division in Spain. Um, you would assume he's not going to be available um, for Saturday's game because they've got to do the visa, they've got to do the, uh, the work permit, they've got to do various COVID tests and, and what have you. You won't expect to see him for... 
at, at least a week or two. You, you have to be patient with those international deals. Um, okay, talking of Houston Dynamo, they are the opponents for Minnesota United uh, this coming Saturday. Yet to win on the road, as we've already mentioned, Kindra. Usually, in this circumstance, with the form that Minnesota are in, you would say, no problem. This should be three points. We can move on and not worry about this too much. But that's just not how Major League Soccer works. It is absolutely not. And if anybody watched Wednesday night's games, you know exactly. Not only should Minnesota United get the three points at home in front of a sold-out crowd against a Houston Dynamo team that has yet to win on the road and sitting near the bottom of the table, but they also just played on Wednesday night on the road at Austin. So, yes, all signs should point to three points. No problem, Minnesota United. But that is not the way this league works. And that is part of the reason we love the league. We love the chaos of it. We love the uncertainty. We love the fact that anybody could literally beat anybody on any given night. And to be fair, Houston Dynamo almost pulled off a, a tie on the road there, being a man down from early in the match. And I think that um, Austin FC is probably not super pleased with their performance against Houston Dynamo FC, whatever we're calling them. Now I should make sure we're doing the right thing here. So I don't get a slap on the wrist with the rebranding, but um, you know, I think that tab uh, Ramos, the head coach of Houston can be pleased with some of the strides that his team has made knowing that he's got another year under his belt with this group. But also I think he'll be disappointed with where they're at right now, thinking that they should be farther along in his philosophy, his style. He's brought in some of the players that he's wanted. Um, I don't think he'll, he'll be pleased with where he's at. Cause I would imagine he's, a, you know, on the hot seat just a little bit, although players seem to love him as a coach. What about from a Minnesota United point of view, Kate? because we saw, Essentially, the same 11. I know DJ Taylor came in at left back for the game against Vancouver, but you would assume if Gasper was available, he would have started, meaning the 11 would have been the same for the last two games. Are we expecting one or two tweaks against Vancouver? Uh, no, I don't see any changes against in this Houston, lineup. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no. Vancouver, Salt Lake, where were we? Rio Tinto. Like, <laughs> don't even know where we are. What's going on? What day is? It's deadline day. It's crazy. No one has any idea what's going on. Do, do exactly. we expect there to be tweaks to, to the 11 against Houston Dynamo? <laughs> no, I don't. Um, I mean, unless players are healthy. If Michael Boxel couldn't go, I don't think Fragapane is available, but I, I don't know for sure. Um, Chase Gasper, if he's available, that would be honestly the only reason I would see a change from Adrian Heath. And I think it's more about what Adrian Heath and this team wants to do at home against the struggling Houston Dynamo team. He's going to go with, um, you know, a formation that he feels comfortable with and, and, and a lineup that he feels comfortable with, that he feels confident in. They've had a full week now of rest. If any of the changes would have been made, I would have thought they would have been, you know, going into the Vancouver game because of the quick turnaround and the amount of, of work those players put in against LAFC. But we didn't see a ton of changes. We did see a lot of substitutions. And even Brent Coleman earlier this week said they didn't start off well against Vancouver. They could see the guys were not able to sprint. They weren't moving quick enough. Their legs were heavy. They were a bit tired. And instead of slugging off in the second half at, at um, elevation, they actually picked up. And I think that was more mental than physical from this club, from this group. And now with a full week between matches and even able to prep and rest and regen, if there's no changes in an injury standpoint, I would expect the same starting 11 in my mind. I think Adrian Heath felt good about that group. And again, the solid nature of the roster and the depth of this roster of who you can bring off that bench. You can look down and go, 
wow, look at what we have available to us to bring off the bench. If we need to make a change technically, if you're chasing the game, you have the lead, whatever it might be for Adrian Heath and, and his staff. Two more questions before we go to break here on the Match Preview podcast. Uh, if Michael Boxall is available and he's fit and he's ready, do you bring him in or do you stick with Brent Coleman, who has been very consistent over the course of the last five games? I would 100% bring him in. I think you have to. I mean, and that is not a slight by any means on Brent Coleman. I think Coleman has done a fabulous job. He stepped in. And when you know that he stepped in and done his job, you don't notice him on the pitch from a negativity standpoint. Usually if you're center backs, if you notice them, that usually means that they're making mistakes. They're struggling defensively. You're getting a bunch of goals scored on you um, in, in bad situations. But I think that Brent Coleman's done a, a great job. Um, I, when I talked to him earlier this week, he said that he finally feels physically there. Um, when he came back from, um, you know, in preseason and then the first game against Seattle, we all know that he kind of got eaten alive in the second half, which he would fully admit he wasn't 90 minutes match fit. I think he feels like he's getting back to that. But how, again, what a blessing to have that kind of an option off the bench, knowing that he can step in no problem. Just like DJ Taylor had to do the other night for Chase Gasper. And then you still have all these options. Nico Hansen, you know, Ethan Finley has started the last couple matches. I think that, and, and if Fregapane is back and fit and ready to go, these are all good options for Adrian Heath, but I would start Michael Boxel if he's available and fit and healthy Just and ready to go. Right, absolutely. And we don't know if that's the case yet. We'll have to see over the course of the next day or two. Um, okay, so final question then, Kay. What do we expect from Houston Dynamo then? Why why would they come to Allianz Field and open up? Why would they come and claim three points as opposed to shutting shop and be happy with the points? Well, I think that what they just did on the road at Austin with a rotation in their starting lineup, if you look at who they started on the bench, I mean, they rotated their players quite a bit. They will be without Darwin Seren, who had the red card, unless for some reason that gets reversed. I don't know what that, you know, what kind of process that's in. But I think that Tab Ramos is understanding what this schedule looks like for him. Again, there's some depth in their roster. They had some players that were unavailable in that last game against Austin due to... What are we calling it now? Medical protocol. You know, Darwin Quintero was not on the roster, whatever the terminology is now. So I don't know if he'll be on the trip and available against Minnesota United. But I do think knowing that they got the two goals, the way that they did a terrible uh, mistake by Stuver for the second one, but still Houston capitalized. Pico has speed. They've got some attacking players that can, that can hurt you. They've just added Corey Baird, who is ready to prove something you know, to his new club and also LAFC for having traded him away. So I think that this team is, is gaining confidence. I don't think they're going to sit back. I think that they're going to see that there's opportunities to get something on a counter, get something on a turnover, which just means that Minnesota has to be really sharp in their possession and can't do the silly turnovers in your middle third of the field or your defensive third, because I do think that this is a Houston club that will capitalize. Looking forward to it. All eyes on Saturday evening. Minnesota United hosting Houston Dynamo. Next up, we'll speak with Minnesota United midfielder Nico Hansen. Minnesota United fans, save time every time when you use online check-in for a great haircut at Great Clips. Download our app or check in online at greatclips.com. Great Clips, it's going to be great. Kind 
everyone. Welcome back to the Match Preview Podcast. Callum Williams alongside Kindra D. St. Aubin, as always. Kindra, Minnesota United, as we mentioned in the last segment, playing Houston Dynamo this coming Saturday at Allianz Field. So we thought we'd bring on a guest that knows the Houston Dynamo quite well indeed. Spent the last couple of years at the Houston Dynamo at BBVA Stadium. Nico Hansen joins us on the podcast. Nico, welcome. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. Really appreciate it. So before we get into the nitty-gritty tactical details of Tab Ramos's system and Houston Dynamo and what they could really threaten against Minnesota this coming weekend, let's talk about your career at the Dynamo. Did you enjoy your time at BBVA Stadium? Yeah, I mean, I think this was uh, right before I came in August. I had about a handful of games um, before season ended there. And then... Um, had a few managerial changes while I was there. I was there for two days and, and um, Gaff got sacked there. Uh, so we were dealing with the interim for a little bit, but Tab came in and um, had a full season there. But obviously pandemic hit, so it was a bit of a half season. Um, so wasn't a, it was an interesting time for me, a year for me there. I didn't really get to get the full experience of stadium and fans and all that, but um, good place to be for sure in my career. And Nico, you're only, what, 20, 26 years old. What, what do you view as how your path has gone in MLS and the different experiences that you've had? We just talked about Houston, but also you've played with Columbus Crew. You've played under different managers. How do you view your kind of timeline in your career in MLS thus far? Yeah, I mean, well, it's fifth year and I've had uh, four or five different managers. Um, so it's been kind of a crazy ride as far as, as that goes. Um, but it's definitely given me some experience as to, different styles of play, different, um, different systems, even just different, um, structures, uh, between coaches, assistant coaches, players, uh, and higher ups, however it goes from there. So it's been, um, it's been, it, I said this year, even too, uh, when I was talking about coming here, I was like, man, I, I, I'm a veteran now. I know a lot. I've seen a lot. And I've, I've been around with different systems. And Nico, I know you, had somewhat of a muted experience at Houston Dynamo, but but what is the feel around the club when you are playing there? Because this is a club with history. This is a club with two MLS championships. Yeah, I mean, the year before, they won the Open Cup. So um, definitely a team that has a lot um, of talent. Um, I really enjoyed um, under Tab, a uh, great coach. Um, I think it was his first year, and I think any coach in their first year, it's always going to be kind of a transition. You see that, you know, I was there with Caleb Porter um, his first year and it wasn't the best year. And the next year he won the MLS Cup, you know, so um, we'll see how, how they go. And it, it, they seem to have a stronger, stronger sense of, of, of playing under tap style this year. And they, they look strong this year. Well, speaking of, you know, Houston Dynamo and looking stronger this year, they just played in a match um, last night. So that'll be Wednesday night, depending on when people are hearing this. What do you make of the Western Conference when you look at where Houston Dynamo is, when you look at some of the results? Is this one of those things when you guys didn't have a game on Wednesday night, you sit back and look all these scores roll in and these results, and it just kind of blows your mind with how this league works and operates in the parity? No, I mean, this is the thing with MLS is, is – you say this all the time is any team can be anybody week in, week out. So um, it, there's no easy games. Um, and so you see different scores here and there, and sometimes some scores surprise you. And um, I don't know if uh, the scores yesterday reflected exactly where teams are at, but I mean, this is what happens in the MLS and why it's hard to get into the playoffs. <clears throat> Let me ask you, 
Nico, um, during your, your time at Houston, you, you played with one or two players that are, are very close to several here in Minnesota, um, Christian Ramirez being one of them. Uh, but Darwin Quintero as well, obviously, um, was wonderful during his time here at Minnesota United. What, what were your experiences playing with those two in particular? Yeah, I mean, uh, great guys. Um, it was good to train with them and, 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 and get to know them. And um, Christian, obviously, is, is abroad now and, and has gotten a good start to his career over there in Aberdeen. Um, so happy for him. And, and uh, yeah, and Darwin's, you know, still at Houston. And, and I think the system has been a little different this year. Um, but great player. Um, as I was saying, is one of the best players at training sometimes. And, and on the field, he could do some magical stuff. Um, so, those are those are two good guys to 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 even you know they've been around different places so experience is there from them learn from them. You've spoken about Tab a couple times, um, just in this few questions that we've had. What makes him a good coach in your mind? What did you appreciate that he brought to Houston in your time there? Yeah, Tab and I actually had a good relationship um, even before I came here to Minnesota. I, I, would, I was speaking to him on a you know weekly basis almost at a certain point. Um, and I think the best thing about him is he was a player. You know, he's been here. He's 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 played a uh, long career, has, has had the same thing, different managers, different systems. And so I think he knows as a player is, is what, like, players need to hear and, and how to speak to players. You know, at the end of the day, he, he even before, you know, he was like, yeah, I would love to have you here. I'd love for you to stay. Um, but, you know, if there's something else better for you, then, like, I'm happy for you too. And I think even guys you know who I was I was kind of in and out last year at Houston in the starting lineup and he was always just you know he was always up front with with guys and always speaking to them in in uh upfront manner and direct manner and and I think it was easier for guys to kind of buy into that and, and be a part of it knowing exactly where they're at and what they need to do to kind of get into the system so um I think it's I was, I was kind of a a player's coach I think I like to, some people like to say it's just he's he's well at speaking and being up front Nico, your last goal for Houston actually came against Minnesota. So you have been in, in this Houston Dynamo side that have gotten the better of Minnesota, that have gotten in behind and, and obviously found the back of the net. So, so with that in mind, what do you think the approach will be this coming weekend from Tab Ramos's men? I, I know it's away, it's at Allianz Field, that the team have struggled away from home this season, but are we expecting similarities to instructions that you perhaps have had in the past? Yeah, I mean the team. The team has bought into it being a team. I think, and and you know that was a lot of what Tab wanted to do is is everybody works together and everybody plays together. Um, and I think that team is way more organized, um, and there's a lot more coming from everybody um, in terms of defensive work, offensive work. Um, you know, he really loves the midfielders to to do a lot of the work. So he has a three in the midfield, and he wants those guys to run, and he wants those guys to make the game high pace and difficult. Um, and so he asked a lot of those three in the midfield. And I think that's what we're going to see a lot of. Um, and, you know, especially coming from the L.A. game and the Vancouver game, it's going to be similar, I think, with with the high pace and, and a lot of hard work. Well, we've talked a lot about your role with Houston. How do you view your role with Minnesota United and how do you feel like you kind of have adapted to and set into the, the group here? Yeah, I mean, it's it was a nice change for me, honestly. It was get something new and then see something new. And I think... The role here is 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 changing, you know, the the what I see myself as and, and what's been happening. I, I want to be a starter and I want to play. And um, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting game this weekend and, and to see the guys again. But I want to go in and make a difference and, and, and play for, for this new club. 
Let me ask you, Nico, um, you, you've had a good spell in the first team over the course of, of the last couple of months. You've had a little injury at the start of the campaign, which delayed your debut. Um, but with the way that Adrian Heath plays this system, there are certain expectations from the wide players. How have you enjoyed getting used to those expectations? And also, how have you enjoyed developing a relationship with the right back, Roma Metanier, and, and also DJ Taylor when he's played? Yeah, I mean, the great group of guys here. Um, I think the locker room is great. And um, you talk about guys buying into the systems and stuff. I think it's easy here, especially with the guys that are here. So um, it's been it's been a it's been an easy transition for me. Even knowing a few guys prior to, you know, makes it a lot easier. Um, but yeah, I think the system here is great. Um, and my role, as you were saying, um, coming in and having a little bit of a good start and the injury kind of setting things back, I think kind of getting back into the swing of things and, and think at the end of the day, um, got to play play a little bit better in front of goal for me personally get some more assists and get some more goals when you look at the role as the winger and what Adrian Heath expects of you and then having sort of the versatility on both sides of the ball and even centrally with some of the players on this roster do you prefer or have a preference of being a more traditional winger and staying wide and get into the end line do you like to cut in do you like to mix it up what's your preference when when people what can they expect to see when they see you playing at your best and what you like to do yeah, I think at the end of the day, I think I like to be dangerous. So getting in behind, getting in front of goal. Um, you know, in college, I was a forward, and that was a big thing for me was was just getting in front of goal. Um, so I think a little bit of difference as well as the winger is, is kind of coming back and being a part of the play. And I think I, I, I like that at times, but especially just being a part of, like, getting shots off, uh, being dangerous, getting, you know, guys in behind to, to get good, good chances. Um, at the end of the day, you win games and you score more goals than the other team. So... Um, I think that's kind of the mantra that I want to go for. Nico, given the amount of depth on this Minnesota United roster, what do you identify as a good season for Nico Hansen? Uh, yeah, exactly what I was saying earlier, more stats. I think I need to get more goals, more assists, um, and whatever fashion that comes in, you know, if it's starting or if it's coming off the bench, I think you can't, you can't be upset with uh, whatever the result is at the end of the day. Um, so I think for me, it's continuing to grow a little bit. Um, I think there's uh, a lot more that I expect of myself. Well, Nico, um, the other thing as well, which we're dying to ask you as well, is in terms of what you expect this weekend. I, I know the players love playing at Allianz Field. The atmosphere is sensational. But what are you expecting from Houston Dynamo? Are they going to sit up shop? Are they going to try and counter press? What are you expecting? No, as I said, I think that's a team that wants to get after us. Um, I think a lot of the times they they start through the midfield. And so if those guys are going and getting up high on us, it's going to be a difficult game. You know, they've got a strong back line as well. And it's going to be difficult if they're pressing high and we can't get behind either. Um, so I think for them, when they're organized and, and they're all working together, it's, it's a tough team to break down. But I think, um, especially you look at these last few games we played, LA, Vancouver, similar like this, I think, if we play like we have been and keep moving the ball well and find guys in good areas to to break their lines and get in behind, um, it can it's going to look real good for us. Last one from Nico, me, Nico, is just, you know, being back home at Allianz Field. Cal just alluded to it a little bit there, but can you speak to the atmosphere and the energy in that stadium, especially now that it's a full capacity compared to some of the other stadiums that you've been um, around the league? Yeah, I mean, I think it makes it really difficult. Um, our our fans are awesome. The atmosphere is great. I think it adds a nice little energy to us on the field, and I think that's going to be draining for them. You know, like I said, they like to have 
high press and they like to get after us. And, you know, if we play well and get around them and it's, it's going to, you know, it's going to break them down a little bit by each moment that we're, we're getting success and we're getting the atmosphere from the fans and the energy from the fans of us, of us being dangerous. So, um, yeah, we're, we're excited for that. It's our 12th man, as they like to say, right? Absolutely. Looking forward to seeing the 12th man and Nico Hansen as Minnesota United take on Houston Dynamo. All eyes on Saturday evening. My thanks to Kindred East St. Aubin, our guest, Nico Hansen, our producer, Tyson Hill, and to you for listening as well. From all of us here, we'll see you on Saturday.